Hey guys, before you watch this amazing video, please do me one favor and subscribe to this YouTube channel, ring the doorbell and give it a thumbs up. That will mean the world to me. Thank you. I have Zaki Amir with me for episode number 11 of the Strictly Business Podcast. For those who do not know who Zaki Amir is, he's a real estate expert, wealth development coach, author and guest speaker at just 18. Zaki Amir arrived in Australia with an unfaltering determination to not only land on his feet, but to achieve his big dreams for business success. He went from broke to $3 million in property in two years. Zaki, my man, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. And how are you? How's COVID been treating you? I'm well. Well, I'm enjoying. I, I get to enjoy the home I pay a lot of money for, so it's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. So that, that's one advantage of it, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So do you want to tell me a little bit more about what you do, um, a little bit more about what you're focusing on, about the clients that you serve, more about the business um, and property investment. How does it all yeah, work? Sure. So I, I started DDP property nine years ago. So we're on our ninth year. I came to Australia 20 years ago. I came here as an international student and uh, we went to a school overseas. And then, you know, the next step was uh, pick a country uh, to go study uni. There was three choices, America, UK, and Australia. I just picked Australia, no real reason. When you're 18, you don't really know what you want. You don't really know what you want to do in life, let alone which country you want to live in. So I actually applied for a university or a TAFE uh, in Mount Druitt because I actually thought Mount Druitt was near the mountains and I thought it was a pretty, pretty good light looking area. Uh, 20 years ago, I can't imagine what it would have been, let alone I actually made my wealth in real estate in Mount Druitt in the last 10 years, but it was one of the TAFEs I've applied in. And to be honest, every TAFE and every university I applied to, I got in, not because I was smart in my grades, it's because they just wanted my family's money in Australia. So they were gonna, the universities were gonna accept uh, at a minimum level, uh, anyone that was bringing money to Australia, which I understand. So yeah, so I worked in banking. I did a business degree for about three years. Uh, graduated from Western Sydney Uni, started at Sydney Uni in engineering, didn't like that, failed in maths. So I transferred to Western Sydney Uni only because I could work. Mm -hmm. And uh, uni and uh, education, um, I guess tertiary education or education where you've got to sit in a classroom was just never for me. So. I just always wanted to do things on the outside and, and make money somehow because money is kind of, you know, what brings the goods and what you can do in life more than a uni degree. So, yeah, so I did my uni degree and then I joined uh, one of the major banks and actually stuck in for 11 years uh, with them, uh, moving in various different positions. There was 40,000 people in the bank and so I was just a number, but it was great, you know, I mean, money was okay. But I learned a lot about finance and wealth and the Australian, the banking systems, things, you know, I never was exposed to mm -hmm. uh, when I was young. And I, I guess I always wanted to learn, but I was just never going to learn from school or university where I've been told to learn as opposed yep. to curiosity learning, you know, yep. curious I'd learn. Yep. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so I, I did that and then I was always doing different things. My family ran a shoe business overseas, so eBay came out probably about 15 years ago. I started selling shoes on eBay. They used to call it drop shipping back then. Still things have changed in 15, you know, 10 to 15 years uh, in technology. And eBay was new, so I put my dad's shoes on eBay. <laughs> I 
uh, someone would buy it and then uh, he'd uh, FedEx it or send it by DHL to the person, I'd probably make about $50, $60. But in your 20s, um, on your own, you know, 50, extra $50, $60, a lot of money, you know, when, it, when you're trying to get through life. Yep. I was helping my dad out, help my family. And then, uh, so yeah, I was always looking. I actually then did join the network marketing. Then I used to sell uh, air purifiers and water purification systems. I was horrible at that. Um, door to door, and uh, because I never understood the Australian slang, the sarcasm, the lingo, let alone sales coming from a South Asian, you know, conservative background to be door knocking and going, "Hi, would you like to buy my, you know, air filter?" <laughs> <laughs> this is this is all the great things you could do. So it was tough. So um, and that's kind of how I learned my people skills or sales skills because I used to have to go after work in a full-time job at a bank, sell these uh, filters and water, air filters and stuff. Did that for about three, four years and then uh, was exposed to real estate because someone who I actually joined up to sell the uh, air purifier introduced me to somebody else and that's the saying of networking and being, being open to opportunity. She introduced me saying, hey, there's a group in Parramatta uh, they talk about real estate and stuff and you know you're always looking for stuff maybe maybe you'd know it maybe it's something you'd like and so i turned up and that's kind of what i do i just turn up just like you're asking me for the show um i just say yes because you just never know where where things go if you say yes most people spend their life saying no uh to to ridiculous things as opposed to saying yes to the right things and uh yeah, so I rocked up to Parramatta. One guy, he was from Bangladesh, who ended up being my accountant. He rocked up, I think he was in the 30s, and he said, oh, I own 25 properties. And I was like, okay. I knew not, I knew about banking and finance and stuff, but I didn't really know anything now, 11, no, 12 years ago about real estate. Knew absolutely nothing in Australia about real estate. But one thing for sure is he said he made money, and I was broke from uni. Um, paying off all my debts and I go well he made money and these other people made money so they look okay so I'm curious that's once again the curiosity to learn and I spoke to them and um, he didn't really speak much English and I was like well that's not needed and he, he goes how much money do I need and he said you need a five percent deposit and I go well deposit of what because that's how much I knew nothing about real estate. And he goes, 5% deposit of the purchase price. And, he, and I go, well, what is that? And he goes, uh, approximately $10,000. And at that point in time, I was $40,000 in debt. And I go, you know what? What's an extra $10,000 in debt? <laughs> Doesn't bother me. And uh, so it wasn't about real estate. It was just about getting ahead or creating wealth. And that was just a tool. So I borrowed and then I saved up $10,000. That was a 5% loan back, you know, 12 years ago and my first unit was in Caramine Fairfield uh, that, that group uh, in Parramatta they showed me the property I walked in I knew nothing it was $150,000 um, I'm not sure what they were doing there it was, it was pretty seedy I walked in there were curtains everywhere I was like gosh okay and I walked out and he goes do you want it I said sure that's it I go, what's going to go wrong? You know, I mean, debt anyway, there's a house, there's these other people who own property. They, they, they look, you know, legitimate. And I, I, I winged it. And that's how I bought my first property. The tenants moved out. There was an insurance claim. The insurance paid for the renovation damage. And then the bank manager goes, do you want to revalue the property? And I said, what's that? Because that's absolutely how much I knew nothing about real estate. And he goes, well, if the property has gone up in value, you can uh, use it to buy another property. 
So I revalued the property and it went up $25,000. And he goes, would you like to take it out as equity? And I go, well, what's equity? That is how, you know, naive I was, you know, getting into this. And I go, what's equity? He goes, well, like I said, you can use it as a deposit for your next house. And I go, I made $25,000 doing not much, you know? I took 10,000, I bought a house. And a few months later, because the tenants smashed it or whatever, because of the revaluation, I was able to get an extra 25. So I had a choice then. Do I take the $25,000 out and pay off my debt? Or do I use the $25,000 and buy another property? And that's a crucial decision even these days because I've helped over 1,400 people buy real estate now. And I know a lot of people that I helped buy in Western suburbs of Sydney. They made a little bit of money and they sold out because they just kind of, you know, got a hold of new money and they sold the real estate. And guess what? If they're going to get in the market now, they've lost out because they, they bought their properties at probably $200,000 10 years ago. They worked about 500. They sold it when it's 300 and they've missed out, you know? And I, it still, and it comes to that delayed gratification, you know, principle that I'm okay with, which is if you want to make money or if you want anything in life, you're just going to have to wait and have to be patient. And so, yeah, so I ended up buying 15 houses or apartments in the next three years, doing exactly that um, in 10 years ago, where we just buy cheap houses and referring to the Mount Druid comment, they took me to Mount Druid and not even Mount Druid, Mount Druid, you know, was okay. I mean, I don't want to be discriminate, you know, I've lived all over Sydney, Western suburbs, Eastern, South, whatever. But you know, Mount, Mount Druid is okay, but then you, within Mount Druid, you've got all the other areas of Wilmot and Shelby and Bidwell, and they were real housing commission areas. And I, I remember, uh, and I kept buying, you know, so I was buying houses, so I, was, I was buying properties, my cheapest one, a 600 square meter block in, and it's still Blacktown Council, was uh, $165,000. There was a police tape line all around it, the <laughs> toilet, you could see into the toilet, let me show you some pictures. You can see into the toilet and it was just the ground or the earth. Um, it, was, it was horrendous. But I, I went for it and then I'd renovate these houses. Get, I'd, I'd never renovate. I couldn't, you know, paint a house. <laughs> Likewise, mate. Likewise. <laughs> I got some people to renovate the property and, and it went up in value. And that $165,000 property is now worth approximately $510,000. So, so the what? Yeah, so what? You know, like, yeah, it's in a bad area, it's cheap, but it's not about that. And that's where people get stuck in, you know, they live in, you know, it doesn't, they even live, they live in Balmain or they may like live in Stratfield, you know, they may even live in Parramatta these days and they go, well, I want to buy in the same area that I live in. I go, well, that's just not how you do it. You know, you've got to look outside where the opportunities are. And I was open to opportunity, you know, that I guess it's the key trait saying yes, saying open to opportunity saying yes to meeting people. So you're five years, you know, I have, you know, pe people complain, oh my goodness, you know, your family, this property, the tenant left and this happened. Well, that's just part of life, you know? You take a risk, but you got to take a calculated risk that, uh, that it comes with it. Every action is an equal opposite reaction, you know, as Einstein says. So you can't expect to buy a property and just think, oh, things are going to go perfect. You know, I, I bought properties in Trujillo, which is in Mount Druid, and then I was probably spent $25,000 renovating back then. I came the next day, the, the kids next door, they had graffitied it, take stones, smash the glass, everything. So the house that I spent, and this was after work, you know, so organized the renovation, they demolished it. Was it easy? No, but it paid off, you know? 
and that's kind of sorry for the long bit, but that's kind of how no, it uh, awesome, uh, answered came into DDP because I bought all these houses, went on some magazines. People were asking me questions. They were, you know, Facebook was new. Ten years. It's funny, Facebook's still, you know, very new. It's probably 10, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. People would message me. I created a Facebook page. And I just wanted to, you know, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, as much as I enjoyed making money, I enjoyed also telling other people. And so I, I created a Facebook page, invited my friends back then, and shared those two magazine articles. I got, I got pretty poor on that. And mm-hmm. people responded back then saying, how, how did you do it? Where did you buy the house? And I thought, wait a minute, just like I was selling shoes, I go, well, maybe I can charge for this. So I used to charge $3,000 nine years ago when DDP started. So that's when the company started. I was still, I was still at the bank doing this on the side. And I go, hold on, $3,000, even if I do one deal or two deals, you know, get the clients, I'm getting kind of more money than my job. And that's how I left the awesome. bank and started uh, DDP nine years ago. Mate, that's a fantastic story. I love it so much. And I mean, you, you migrated to Australia at 18. Don't worry, mate. You still speak better English than I do. And I was born here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's fantastic. So, so obviously you, you, you've accumulated this wealth. What, what about sort of where we are right now in terms of property investment? I, I watched one of your um, videos uh, yesterday um, because I love, like, you know me, I, we spoke about SEO and online marketing. I love property investment and very much in the same way as you, I can't paint a house and I don't know much about property investment. I use common sense. I can see the airport coming. I sold my apartment. I couldn't have two properties at the time. So I sold my apartment in Hurstville, which was a one better to come out, live out in the MacArthur region, one of the newer States. Um, I wanted the land. So it's on a 525 square block. It's already gone up in, I think it's already gone up about 40 grand since I bought it last August. Um, so there goes the whole media spin about the market crashing property's gone up, got out a good price. Um, so obviously for me, I, I'm actually in the process of reinvesting uh, and buying another property. Um, and I, when I saw one of your videos about the Badgerish Creek Airport, that's probably one of the reasons I came out to this region. Because I'm like, I've got, I've got to rebuild my base. And I was believing that it's better for me to have a property out before the airport comes over in this new estate versus keeping my one bedroom in Hurstville. Probably whether that's good or bad, like, you know, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but it was only one bedroom. My family was expanding as well. I had to get out one way or the other, either keep it and reinvest. It actually did drop down in, um, in value because I bought it at the height in 2015 and sold it in the, at the drop of last year. But all in all, I feel like I'm in a much better property. So I'm looking at using the equity that I have in this new property to do what you mentioned about the airport and Badgerys Creek. It's going to build up and explode in value. Western Sydney isn't going to look like what it does in the next five to 10 years. And so I'm looking at reinvesting in this area. Um, what, would, what would be advice you would sort of give to me? I'm looking at either getting a, a property off the plan because I'm not really too concerned about when it will be completed. I don't know whether that's the right mindset um or buy an established property or should i as you mentioned look outside of the area that i live but the area that i live is also has surrounding suburbs where that's it's going to be impacted positively by the airport coming well yeah i mean like that western sydney area is also 10 years ago where i created wealth i mean before the airport i wasn't aware of an airport um, being announced uh, i know that they were buying land in the area but 
Western Sydney, I guess this is what makes Sydney unique and many people miss out on this. And maybe, you know, Andrew, you may want to include a map of Sydney. The part of the unique part uh, structure of Sydney, what many people miss out as to why Sydney will always do well is that we are surrounded by national parks or beaches. Mm. This is what makes Sydney extremely unique. Forgetting Australia, and I can go into Australia, what makes Australia great and why I would continue to buy property in Australia. But when it comes to Sydney, when you look at the north, we've got national parks. When you look at the west, we've got the Blue Mountains. When you look at the south, you've got the Royal National Park. And when you look at the east, well, you've got the beach. Mm. And that means we're locked in. And that mm. means, and as you know, so the price is dictated by supply and demand. And as much as Australia is a great country, which I can comment on that because of controlled immigration, then we have Sydney, which is even more controlled in supply, because if you want to live in Sydney, you've got to live in within those three national parks and the beach. And so that means no matter where you buy, you're going to make wealth in real estate in Sydney in the long run. And when I make mean long run, means 10 years. This is mm. not overnight. And I tell that to all my clients. Real yep. estate is a 10-year minimum investment. And Badgeries Creek and those areas, those are the kind of the last plots of land available that makes it so affordable. And now, you know, the government's got this $25,000 home builder scheme. Mm. It is targeted for first home buyers to go buy property around the Leppington, Badgeries Creek area, because that's where you can afford to build a $650,000, $700,000 house, qualify the ground, get the $10,000 um, what do you call it? First home owners grant mm. and, and the twenty-five thousand home builder scheme grant plus the stamp duty waiver. So you can imagine, and and I, I guess with DDP in business, we do we take care of investor clients and then we take care of first home buyer clients, and we can tell where the market's moving. Whereas other companies either deal with investors or they just or they're just a project marketing company trying to sell property to to home buyer. We deal with both, and I can tell you it's the first home buyers that are driving this market at the moment. So regardless of what's happening in coronavirus and all the fear-mongering that's going on on the media, the first home buyers, they're intelligent because they're going, they're just like, like me, you know, they, maybe they've been here 20 years, 10 years, or, you know, or, they, or they're born here, whatever, but they've not owned a property, and they're going, well, the government's giving me nearly like $40,000 in grants, cash, Maybe all I need to do is have a saving of ten, fifteen thousand. I mean, many could save up ten to fifteen thousand if they really get their mind to it. And that's who my clients are from the first home buyers. They're going, well, why wouldn't I buy? When am I going to get this opportunity? Because when I look at myself, I'm sure yourself, you didn't get an extra forty grand by the government go buy a property. Absolutely. I lost forty grand. Yeah. No, it's either you saved it or you borrowed it or you took it from your parents or one of those. Whereas it was never splashed out. Uh, from the government. And those are the areas they're going. And you've got Western Sydney Airport, which is going to drive a lot of demand from an from a infrastructure spending point of view. And then you've got this home builder scheme going, go and live in Western Sydney, Southwestern Sydney. So if you look at it from a government point, it makes sense because mm. they're spending like, I think it was it eight or $9 billion on the airport. Mm. But then they've got this scheme going on so people go and live near the airport also. So you, you see how it works? It goes hand yeah. in hand. Because you don't want to build an airport in five years and nobody's going to rock up to the airport. Well, 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 obviously, before they've even thought about the airport there, they must have looked at the region and went, this is the next logical place that is going to boom. 
They wouldn't put an airport where they, they obviously don't have plans to anticipate what's going to happen in this region. And so if you buy a property around the Leppington area, that in my mind will be, like you said about the first home buyers, I'm not a savvy investor, mate. I don't know the first thing about property investment, but I, I live on realestate.com.au and I can see the prices of Leppington. I can speak to my father-in-law who's got Italian friends that have been living there that sold and made a, a big fortune in that area. Um, but I can look at that area and I can say, that's going to be mascot in 10 years. Correct. Correct. And, and imagine- the train station and the airport and it's right in that junction in the middle, man. I mean, imagine mascot 40 years ago. That would have been nothing. There were, were not apartment complexes or nothing. It would have just been bare land. Yeah. So you can just imagine what's going to happen at Western Sydney Airport come 50, 60 years. You know, it's going to become a major hub. And, and Sydney is overcrowded, as you know. You know, for me to get from here to even Alexandria, it takes me half an hour. You know, yeah. I'm not in the city, let alone I could get to Parramatta quicker. And that's where, because of the roads and the trains being, the way it's being built. So more and more people are going to be living in Western, Southwestern Sydney. And that's just where the future is. Sydney is just going to become a secondary city to Parramatta. That's why the powerhouse museum and all of that is just going towards Parramatta is because the new population, which is going to be huge, far greater than the existing population, will be living around those areas. Yeah, absolutely. And so obviously, if you're a first home buyer, contact Zaki, contact DDP property. But one of the biggest searchful terms around property investment, what people are actually asking from a Google search perspective is, is property investment a good investment? When you look at it, obviously when someone like, if they're looking at that question, obviously they're thinking about that and they may look at stocks and they may look at other ways to sort of invest in, from your perspective, obviously it's a calculated risk like you've already mentioned, but where do you rank property investment in terms of the, over, of the, of the options that are also available? Obviously you're in it, so you believe in it. Um, so how do you feel generally about property investment versus other investment options? Okay, so if you look at the major investment options, we've got cash, meaning just leaving it in the bank, or cap or <laughs> shares, um, investing to other businesses, to the share market, or you've got like government bonds, and then you've got property. Now, does property do well compared to shares? I believe they actually do the same if you compare it to good shares. So I don't believe property makes more money than good, good shares. When I say good shares, I'm talking major shares, you know, the, the top 100 shares, not investing into new companies that may fold and all of that. Yeah, sure. I'm talking about good shares. So, but then again, you compare good property to good shares. I believe they appreciate over time around 6%. Here's the difference though. With shares, you cannot borrow or leverage money at the similar fashion that you can do in real estate. And that's what many people miss out on. Mm. If you want to buy a $500,000 property and you're, even you're a first home buyer and investor, all you probably need is say 30 to $50,000. Mm. Whereas if you want to buy $500,000 worth of good shares, you're going to need a minimum, I would say about $250,000. You see that? Now, if you look at the capital appreciation over 10 years, I said 6%. So 6% on 400,000 of shares or 6% on, uh, sorry, 6% on 500,000 of shares or 6% on $500,000 worth of property. They're going to appreciate the same. But the property example, you only needed approximately thirty dollars to $50,000 to get into the market. 
Mm. With the share market example, you needed approximately 250,000 in cash to get into the market. That's what makes property much more appealing. It's not that it performs better than good shares. It's actually because you can leverage and borrow and they call it other people's money, other people's time, other mm. people's time because you're using the bank's money for your benefit. That's the key difference. So, yeah. Yep. And the other thing to note is when you buy into the share market, you're investing 100% into businesses. You're not investing into something personal. Whereas when you buy real estate, about 70% is owner-occupied, 30% is an investment-driven market. You see the difference? Yeah. Look at Virgin and look at all the major corporations that got in trouble in the last 90 days, right? Mm -hmm. Virgin, valuable company, and then they're under administration. You know, and various companies in America going through that bankruptcy protection thing. So good companies that you thought were great, that you've got your money invested in, also became an issue. Whereas when you look at real estate, and if you look at this coronavirus time, guess what they got everybody to do? Stay at home. Which means, if you're gonna stay at home, you need a home, which is property. Exactly. And also the fact that the government relies so heavily on, on a moving market that's in construction. If construction falters, the, the economy of Australia is impacted. Correct. And at such a massive proportion that they've got to keep reinvesting in airports and in infrastructure so that's that's one of like like again like, like i said before i'm not any by any means a savvy investor i'm just watching what the government's doing so for me if they're putting up an airport with train stations and they want to boot and obviously there's roads there's schools there's there's parks now exactly when they when they redevelop like a, a like an estate the the planning that goes in like they're thinking like when i was on hersville they don't when they were building that suburb they weren't thinking about where to put a park or what the family wants and, and, and putting all these little uh, extra pieces that makes living out here a lot better than, in my perspective, than, than on the other side of Sydney um, at, at a dollar value. Um, so, so obviously, if you are looking to invest your first, or you're looking to buy a property and get out of the rental market, um, obviously speak with Zaki, but the audience that's listening that are interested in or looking at getting a property, what would um, be some of your tips to sort of help them go from renting you you did a video on this and I will share it um, in the description. Um, but just before you go into that, one of the things that I had to do when, when I was living on my own from 20 was cut out crap. Stop spending money on dumb crap. Do I need a car? I didn't get a car till I was 30, Zaki. I put everything into the business and everything into my personal, into my housing, right? So housing business is where I've sunk all my money in. But before I could buy my first house, I didn't go out with my mates. I didn't go out to clubs. I haven't done anything. And actually, now that I can actually do more stuff, I feel like I don't really want to. I just want to spend time with my family. So I missed out on that 20s era of like going out and spending money to just like, I got to get my house. I think it also comes down to that, my parents being migrants as well and that whole, the importance of like owning the property. That was sort of entrenched in my mind. Don't rent, go and buy, go buy. You need to have a solid foundation in your life. So. I felt like while I was renting, I was scared. I was, I was, even though it's like nothing's guaranteed, nothing's promised, but owning a property versus renting for someone like me that I feel I, I need to feel like I'm in control of what's happening around me as best as I can. Um, for me, it was just stop, even if you're $50 ahead every week, it's better than spending that 50 bucks on a movie or some dumb crap or, or that other car you don't need, or perhaps even buying a house with four bedrooms and you don't need four bedrooms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're the expert. 
Yeah, look, it's all, it's all about ROI, right? That's how people have to look at their life. They have to, they have to look at business if they're in business the same way. They've got to look at investments the same way. And then they've got to look at their own personal life. They need to treat their own personal life as a business, mm -hmm. you know, which is what is your return on investment for everything you do? Because the only thing we've got is time, not money. All we've got is 24 hours a day and you know, we go to work, we sleep, and then you've got time. And it's what you do in those hours. And one of my old mentors, uh, she said, you know, the beggar and the rich person, they both have 24 hours a day, but what makes the key difference is what they do with those hours, you know? And it's like, like me saying yes to this call is because I go, well, if I spend, you know, 45 minutes with you, Andrew, you're, I'm doing good to you. You're doing great to me. We're going to do great for other people. I go, yes, but if it's going to be 45 minutes, you know, uh, with somebody else that's going to be pointless, I most 100% I'd say no, unless it's my downtime. And my downtime is also extremely systemized because you've got to treat your life as a, you know, as a business because you are your biggest asset or, or liability. And so when it comes to renting or owning or buying a car, you've just got to ask yourself, what is the return on this? What am I going to get? There is instant gratification, which is like, wow, 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 look at this new Honda or Ferrari, whatever you're going to get. And then what? Guess what? Nobody cares. True? You know, I, True, my man. I, used to, I, I live in Dubai and you know what? It doesn't matter what car you've got. Somebody else got a jet or a bigger yacht or bigger whatever. <laughs> you're never going to be the biggest anyway. And so, and it's probably a good thing. Maybe your partying and stuff maybe didn't happen because you're probably going to be a bit more sensible um, with maturity on how, how you spend your money. And you probably have more money to, to enjoy life with anyway. So I guess just like yourself, I'm not saying if anybody is going to or enjoy life in their 20s, that's great. It's about making a decision saying, hey, if I keep doing this continuously, what chances are I'm going to get out or make get anything different? Yeah. And this superannuation scheme that came out where people were able to get $10,000 out of superannuation uh, or $20,000 in total because of the COVID, 355,000 requests were made to the Australian tax office in the first three days of July, just to take the $10,000 out. And you've got to think, you know, and I, I, I speak to some of these people and I know they haven't been impacted. You know, they haven't been impacted by anything and they just wanted the money, you know, for the sake of it. And guess what? Then we read the other side where people have gone and uh, got plastic surgery done with the money and gone <laughs> shopping and done all that, which is great for the economy because that's exactly what the government wanted, right? To keep Australia and the economy going. But sometimes you've got to think, well, what about you? Could I have taken that $10,000 and bought a piece of real estate? I mean, think about what I said. 11 years or 12 years ago, I started with $10,000 and I ended up buying 15 houses that were three and a half million back then, back then. Mm. The same 10,000 and there's people take 355,000 people in the first 72 hours took $10,000 out. Just spend and, it on some, yeah. And I know they didn't buy real estate. I'm sure of that because <laughs> they wouldn't have done it that way. So, so yeah, so it's for the viewers that are watching that are going to go, you know what, that if I keep doing this every day, what, what, what am I going to get any different? You know, you've got to, yeah, you, you should enjoy life. I'm not saying you should just buy a hundred houses and just die, but it's that fine balance going, you know, where can I get maximum return, minimize the risk and also enjoy life at the same time. Awesome, my man. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll, I can just, mate, if you want to spend the next five hours talking about this, I can go for another five hours, man. Um, awesome. So I'm going to give you the final, the final um, 
talk on it. Uh, did you did you have any? Um, I can actually send you over like top, what you've done, just so you get some value. You've been producing videos on YouTube, which is awesome. Just so you get some value, I would I would love to see you sort of um, producing videos around like how do I like I can give you the questions how do how do I invest in Australian property? What's the best sort of properties to invest in? I'll give you some of these suggestions because I want to thank you for your time. Um, but one of the my favorite strategies that I tell everybody is when you are producing content on YouTube. Uh, try to embed, like, let's say you do a video on you, cause YouTube is obviously longer form than Instagram and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook is a quick two or three minute video, quick hit, right? There's a lot of videos on YouTube that are like that. But I think for yourself, if you, like, let's say you, you create an article on your, on your, on your blog about how do I invest in Australian property or how do I, whoever your big target market is, they're asking a lot of questions on Google. So let's say, how do I buy my first home? That's always going to be a hot, hot topic, right? So you could write that article, you could talk about it in about a thousand words, 2000 words, show images, um, show the Australian, uh, the, the Sydney geographical layout, the airport, you could do like a 10 minute video um, on, on YouTube, where you basically just even relate even half of what you said back to me, or even expand on it. Um, and then you put that article, that video that you just dumped on YouTube into that article, because Google owns YouTube. So when someone types in anything about uh, buying a first home in property into Google, there's three ways you could come up. That actual web article now that um, people are searching for on Google. So obviously that page, that blog post that you've created can pop up. You can also see images within Google image search because now you put images around the context of property investment and the Sydney area. Thirdly, you, can, you might even start seeing this. You can see videos uh, popping up on Google search results. So then they can see DDP property um, YouTube uh, videos and you will pop up or, or your company's videos. So when you merge the video into the articles, Google understands a wider context of what that is and gives you more real estate, right? Excuse the pun, digital real estate um, to get your, your assets and your content found. Google owns YouTube. So it's always going to favor YouTube over any other video platform, obviously. Um, and I will treat uh, uh, YouTube content in, in, in to some respect in the same way as I will treat blogging content for SEO. Understood, got it, yeah, got it. All right, so, so I wanna give you that as, as a gift, as a bit of advice. Um, I think the more you keep talking about your story, about the migrant story, because people are gonna to relate to that and think, well, crap, if he can do it, surely I can do it. I think that's a very powerful story. So I would definitely uh, get double down on that um, and, and, and ask people within the industry to, to link to your content. So the more content you put out that you went into so many awesome facts. So producing content around that and asking people within the property market, property industry, your contacts, your friends, anyone that's related to link to your website would be a great way to, to build your awareness um, on Google. Make sense? Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to touch, I know we spoke a lot about Sydney, but um, our clients invest in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Adelaide. Sure. So, yeah, so there's a lot to talk about, but in terms of a company, we just don't take care of clients in Sydney. It's sure. Sure that's the right investment or property they, that's suited for their needs. And I know awesome. That. Awesome. Then, well, thank you so much for joining me, Zaki. Did you, did you want to close off with any final thoughts and then we can end the podcast? 
Well, when there's a lot of uncertainty, that's a great time to be going in. And so there's a lot of uncertainty right now and it's the best time to be buying property because you're going to look back in 10 years and go, that's exactly right. Because I started in 2008 after the financial crisis and I look back and I went, wow, that was a great time to be buying. So awesome. I think the coronavirus is a great opportunity. It is. And I think that's where I think investment full stop is normally the, from, from what I read, the, the sort of the rich people make money on the, Right. In the in the down market, when the, when the market's on the downturn, and then you know reap big rewards when it's inevitably going to go back up. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Zaki. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.